We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. It's our post-game show, uh, wrapping up Indiana's 45-31 loss to Penn State. I'm your host, Sammy Jacobs. Co-host TJ Inman will be along with us shortly uh, here on this gorgeous Sunday afternoon. Uh, TJ, how are you? Well, I'm doing well, Sammy. It's, uh, like you said, very, very nice the fall day here. It's been, we've had really good weather for uh for pretty much all of the all the football weekends, which um, you know, I mean, we spend most of it in time, uh, most of it inside watching watching games. But uh, it's still nice to be able to come out and record a podcast in the middle of November without a coat on. Yeah, it, it's uh, the weather has been great. It's spectacular yesterday. Uh, let's let's talk about this game. It was um, a, a disappointing outcome, uh, yep. but it was. You know, I, I don't want to get into the narrative of IU was close yet again. This is the same old story. They had them, you know, right where they wanted them uh, because it wasn't. Uh, yes, it was a close game. Yes, IU could have won this game. But this was more about how IU executed uh, on big plays and uh, in crunch time. Uh, so, uh, to me, yep. it's... It's about, uh, you know, it, it came down to the five lost fumbles. Uh, IU came into the game only losing four fumbles all year. They lost four fumbles in the first half. Um, yep. They they missed two would-be touchdown throws. One, it looked like Nick Westbrook uh, just mistimed his jump uh, a little mm-hmm. bit, maybe a second or two too early. The other one was just, you know, maybe an inch or two overthrown by Richard Lego, uh, who did have a good day, but those are plays that, you know, if you're going to beat a top 10 team, you have to make. And it, this wasn't, you know, the play calling wasn't horrible. The game plans on each side of the ball were great. This is just a lack of execution in my mind. I would agree with you. I mean, you cannot, I, if, if people want to put the lost fumbles on the coaching staff, okay, fine. But I'm, I'm of the belief that fumbles like that, really where the players were not put in bad positions. They just made poor plays. And, you know, there's some bad luck mixed in there too. Uh, Losing five fumbles while Penn State, you know, Penn State recovered each of the lost fumbles. Um, So that's a little bit of bad luck as well, a little bit of Penn State, you know, just making the right right play, being there at the right time. So that's good on them. But I, I put that on, like you said, player execution, um, you know, it's it's you're not going to have any more games where Mitchell Page fumbles the ball twice. That's not going to happen. Uh, Isaac James. You hope not. 
Well, yeah, I guess I should guarantee that, but you certainly wouldn't expect it. Isaac James made a poor play. Uh, apparently Mitchell Page did not call him off. So that's partly on Page as well, partly uh, poor decision-making by Isaac James because you really shouldn't be down there at all inside of the 10-yard line uh, just asking for something bad to happen, and it did. Um, I, I really think the only thing you can put on the coaching staff uh, was the decision on fourth and one, fourth and goal from the one-yard line, uh, not to go for it. I agree with that decision. I think that going for it was the correct call, but with the play call they ended up coming with after a timeout, uh, I disagree with, with that play call. Um, I don't think it was yeah, a good decision went... to have Richard Richard go uh, roll out and – I. I don't think it was intended to have him roll out and throw uh, to the target that he did, but I think Penn State had it covered. It just didn't end up working, and I, I don't think that it was a, a good play call in that point. But really, other than that, I don't think there's a whole lot you can put on the coaches. Uh, it was execution. Uh, you can't make as many mistakes as IU did as far as turnovers go, plus the fourth and goal from the one. You cannot make that many mistakes and expect to beat a top ten opponent. Uh, the score, certainly final score, does not indicate how much of a, a test Penn State got yesterday. Credit to them for pulling it out. It is frustrating. I totally understand. I'm frustrated as well. It's frustrating to be so close uh, against these top ten teams here the last few years and not – get one of those scalps. I completely understand it. I get it. Uh, but I, I think it is important for people to take a step back. And if fans don't want to do this and just be frustrated, I understand that as well. But I'm choosing to take a step back and say, look, Indiana is in these games. They are right there. And these other Big Ten coaches know that Indiana's right there. They understand. And I think the football program for Indiana is getting to where it's, it's getting a level of respect nationally People are not surprised that Indiana's in these games anymore. The next step, obviously, is getting over that hump and getting those, getting one or two of these games to go your way. That's the next step. But it, it's a whole lot better to be in the shoes we are now as opposed to getting waxed, as we see so many other uh, schools getting beat by these, you know, bigger Big Ten opponents. Uh, you know, fifty-five to three, sixty-two to three, et cetera. Indiana's not having that happen to them. They're showing up ready to play. They're they're doing a very nice job, especially uh, on the defensive side of the ball against the run. We'll talk about that. But uh, Indiana physically has gotten to the point where they're going toe-to-toe with these teams. Now it's just a matter of cleaning up these mental errors that are costing them ball games. Yeah, and then, you know, in the offseason, we'll talk about it a little bit more. Uh, you know, what they need in recruiting. They Yes, they had yeah. 16, uh, 15 or 16 tackles for a loss, but how many times did we see the uh, the defensive line just wasn't fast enough uh, to get right. sticks sorely or to, to, a half second off, to yeah. close on the – yeah, to close on the angle. So, you know, maybe getting a, a pass rusher. They might have one in Alan Stallings who's redshirting, but, uh, you know, getting a pass rusher in, in recruiting and – and winning some of these recruiting battles for for better players and and you've seen it you're right you know IU is is right there in terms of talent 
Um, I would put their, you know, receivers and skill players up there with uh, almost anybody in the Big Ten. Uh, and yep. they just – it was it was tough. It was, you know, it, it turned into a shootout. IU gets a holding penalty on, I believe it is Wes Martin, um, and to move him back to start that drive first and, you know, first and 20 from the 11 instead of at the 21. You know, and that kind of just killed the game for IU there. They just didn't really recover from there. But the defense played outstanding. Uh, as, as I mentioned earlier, 16 tackles for a loss. The defensive line accounted for now that the, there was an official switch on, on, a, on a scale scooch sack. Um, I think it was, they accounted for seven and a half tackles for loss, a couple sacks. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a couple of hurries that resulted in interceptions. So the defense, I thought, played yeah. well. Uh, Indiana handed uh, Penn State 17 points. Uh, the the yep. fumble that was a scoop and score, the uh, muff muff punt or the fumble, whatever you want to call it, statistically it's a fumble. But the ball that bounced off of Isaac James's foot is seven points. And then late in yeah. the game, IU went for it on fourth down, and. Uh, you know, they gave him the ball, I, I believe, at the 21-yard line, and, and right there is uh, is right in field goal range. IU's, IU just didn't, you know, the defense didn't give up a, a yard or, you know, maybe a yard or two and, and held him to three there. But uh, to go back yeah. on, on that, that pivotal fourth down play call, uh, it looked like they had the, uh, you know, the, the big bacon package in there. Yep. And, you know, Wilson came running out and called timeout. I, I don't know what he saw. Uh, and yeah, I asked him on clock. Monday. Play clock. Yeah, was maybe, yeah, that's what it was. Then it goes back down to, to execution uh, of yep. that. And, and you definitely want a, a timeout. You know, those are the timeouts that you, you hate to take because you need them, you know, at the end of the half, at the end of the game and stuff like that. So that play yeah. was set up. It, it looked like it just took a little too long to get into that that's execution. This isn't the first time they're running that. Um, maybe, you know, get the play in faster uh, or, or get things going a little bit quicker. But to me, I, I don't think it was a coaching issue. The game plan was no. spectacular. I mean, when your defense holds Saquon Barkley to 60 rushing yards. Um, One, was it 1.8 yards yeah. to carry? That, I think I read 1.8 was the final number. Yeah, one one point eight, sorely at one point six. Yeah, yeah. As, as a team, they did not do much, um, much uh, on the ground. That they averaged, yeah. As a team, they averaged one point eight yards per rush. And you know, if if yeah. you told me, you know, last week that IU would do this with um, with Saquon Barkley, it was arguably the best in the Big Ten, uh, maybe yep. even the nation, and and. To have them shut out, uh, shut him down like that. Yes, he scored two touchdowns, but you know it, it's yeah. like any great player, he's going to get his. And IU limited his to only sixty and 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 two touchdowns. Yeah. But uh, you know that kind of opened up the passing game for for Penn State a little bit too late in the game. It seemed every. I, I don't think they ran a short route all game, TJ. Uh, you know, right. correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it looked like every pass play was. You know, just go deep, and I'll, I'll throw it up to you. And and you yeah. know, we we trust our receivers to make a play. They had a couple short. Uh, they were not short routes, but just a couple of safety valve routes to to Mike Gesicki, who had a very nice game for them. Um, 
and that he burned IU a couple times with short catches that he turned into bigger games. Uh, but I, I do think that we, uh, IU fans and, and uh, you know we on this podcast will give credit to Trace McSorley. Uh, he made a couple mistakes and, and was not not efficient uh, in terms of completion percentage, but uh, he made a lot of big plays, made a lot of very nice throws, and uh, gave the Penn State receivers, Blacknall uh, and, and Chris Godwin, he gave them chances to make plays, and they did uh, more times than not. So credit to him. I think if you're asking the IU coaches, you know, we're going to pretty much shut down their running game so that Trace McStorley is the one that has to beat you with his arm, you're going to take that. Uh, and I don't think that McStorley necessarily did beat IU. I think Indiana's mistakes ended up being what beat IU. But credit to McStorley because he helped Penn State's offense take advantage of some of it uh, and then, Really, when Indiana was ahead, uh, 24 to 14, ahead by by 10 points, and with a lot of momentum, you know, it certainly didn't feel like it was anywhere close to over. Uh, we know that it's a long time left in a college football game. I think it was like two or three minutes left in the third quarter, and then right away, McSorley hits a couple of big pass plays. Penn State gets down there, four plays, 70 yard drive to cut it down to three. And then they just take the lead quickly on their next possession. So uh, when when he had to, McSorley made the big plays. Their receivers made nice catches. So so credit to them on that end because I don't think IU secondary had a you know a lot of poor plays. I think Penn State made good plays and IU secondary missed a couple of them. I mean Riggins had a little bit of a hard time, especially against Gasicki, uh, but he ended up having a pretty good day. Richard Bant had a nice day. Tony Fields had the pick. Um, so I don't think they were bad. It wasn't the secondary's best day, but I, I think Penn State's passing game did a good job in taking what Indiana's defense was not going to give, but in in the hole that was there because of how aggressive Indiana was against the run. So credit there where it's due. I think Penn State deserves uh, some of the some of the kudos for for getting the job done largely through the air on Saturday. Yeah, definitely. You know, it, it was it was just a weird game in terms of, you know, I use right there, right there, right there. And really, if they make the play, I think they win by two scores at least. Uh, you know, you take away the, the you know, fumbles at the end. Uh, you know, the, the offense gave them 17 points. But it, you, you make one of those catches by Nick Westbrook. That's another touchdown. If you want to say he makes the second one, Sure, better throw. Um, that's 14. I mean, IU outplayed uh, Penn State for most of this game. Uh, they were, yes, IU was. I mean, it, it's hard to you know say that a team lost by 14 points yet should have won by 20. Uh, they were lucky to be down only, you know, be tied at, at halftime. Uh, yeah, a big, right. you know, an, a big answer um, with a by the offense to end the half, and then you just. You know, all these little things add up, and it's you know saying you're you're close against all these teams and say ah oh, we're we're close. That's just a cop out, you know, right now to to the talent of of this team and, and where this program is. You know, you're they're better, um, they're better than 
their record indicates they're better than just hoping to be close with these teams. This is, you know, if IU played their A game, uh, they, they would have won. Uh, and that's the bottom line. They they would have won that. Uh, also, I'm going through pictures right now, and if Nick Westbrook holds that in, Cam would have had an epic picture. Um, so it, it's the little things, and um, yeah, that's going to come back and haunt them. And, and now you have to go back, you, you, you know, you take your 24-hour grace period. We were talking to Mitchell Page after the game, and he he was just – so upset and angry with himself and you know he he said if i don't fumble we don't have to worry there in the last part of the game which is is somewhat true you you never know what will happen but his fumbles definitely changed the outcome of the game and his non-poison call on the punt changed the outcome of the game so you know you, you clean up those mistakes but you know let's get over the mistakes go back to practice See what you could do because if you're making these mistakes next week against Michigan, they're going to be angry. They just lost a heartbreaker at Iowa, and you're liable to get get beat, uh, you know, get run off the field. Uh, IU is going to go into next week uh, as over uh, just over a four touchdown underdog at 28 and a half points, um, and really? then you know, yeah, that, that was the opening line was 28 and a half. Um, and then you, you play Purdue, Purdue's struggling, but they're a team who has the conference-leading passer. They could put up points um, on offense, and if I use offense, turns the ball over, you know, three, four, five times, that's a game that's going to be, you know, a, a little sticky. Way too close and, and maybe, yes, way too close for comfort, especially going to a bowl game. So I think the yep. focus, you know, I wish we got to see practice because – you know, I was asked after the game by by some fans, is this just this team doesn't perform well in games, or is this, you know, do you, well, uh, is this not taking it in practice? So I, I don't know. It's not – I can't answer it because I don't know what they do in practice. Uh, are they fumbling it all over the place in practice or and, and just, you know, continuing in the game, or is there just – that lack of execution, the lack of playmaking ability when when the bright lights are on uh, in the game. And now practice in the game is totally different, and, and um, the pressure is, is just, you know, cranked up to the top. So it, it's hard to say. Um, but I don't think this is a bad practice team. Wilson has said they've been a good practice team now for the better part of a year, year and a half. And that's the importance of getting that sixth win and getting to a bowl game are those 15 extra practices. Because you saw – you know, Richard Lego is now playing his best football of the year uh, the last yeah. couple games. Uh, you know, he, he acquitted himself well against Maryland. He played well at Rutgers, even though he had those two picks. And, and yesterday, he threw that deep ball probably better than I've seen uh, many quarterbacks throw and, and you know, almost better than, than Sudfeld sometimes. He, would, you know, was very accurate on those deep balls and, and confident, so – the more time he gets to practice, the better he'll be. And, you know, I don't want to discount this season, but going forward, you have to feel feel good about the talent on on IU. I, yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, it's we're, we're certainly in a case now where it uh, kind of feels like a one-game season with, you know, if you beat Purdue, it'll mean you have two rivalry games, 
two rivalry trophies in your trophy case, another bowl game, uh, you kind of, at the very least, you can say the program did not take a step back at all. You could make an argument they took a step forward. You could make an argument that they, because it's, you know, back-to-back bowl games, which hasn't been done in a long time, you could also make a very good argument that they just treaded water for a year. And that's that's okay, too. It's a lot better than backsliding. Um, so it kind of feels like that before we can look towards the off season and what next season could be. But, yeah, I mean, the, the, there's a ton of talent returning on the defense. They will only continue to get better under Tom Allen and, and uh, the rest of the defensive staff, it feels like. Uh, and there's no doubt they're they're already much improved under him. So uh, that's encouraging. And then the offense, Richard Lego just seems like he's starting to get it. Um, and it just it looks like he's more comfortable as I use quarterback, as a Big Ten quarterback, which is understandable. I mean, it was – I think we forget – uh, how difficult it can be to be a quarterback in your first year. Uh, and he's starting to get it, and there's a lot of returning talent. Well, for sure, but, uh, you know, it's we won't focus on that until we'll think about it because we're, you know, nuts like that. But uh, we won't focus on that until, until we turn the calendar the next season. But um, I, I do want to point out just a couple of performances that I thought were you know, worth mentioning, I think, Divine Redding uh, against a good defense. Not a great one, but a good Penn State defense. I think he had a nice day. I think he ran the ball pretty well. He did a good job uh, getting the yeah, ball to the end zone. Yeah, uh, yep. 108 yards, 4.7 uh, yards a carry, two touchdowns. This might have been his best performance of the year in terms of quality of opponents. Good cuts. Yeah, good cuts and good runs and uh, ran with, did, I thought, yeah. a lot of pop. Yeah, well, IU I, blocked it pretty well, and, and going back and watching yeah. some, some of the game, I, I just couldn't stomach watching it again uh, in full. But where you see where Divine lacks, where you know Tevin and, and Jordan Howard were were so good, was the holes were there, and, and Divine yeah. got you know six, seven, eight yards where either Tevin breaks it for a touchdown or Jordan Howard gets twenty to twenty-five. Uh, but yeah. Divine, this is what Divine is is good at. He you know, he held on to the ball, which is huge yesterday. Um, and and it's well, a very encouraging blocked well in protection uh, as well, too. And then, um, you know, he's – this was, I, I would say, his best performance maybe of his career in terms of quality of opponent and, and rushing performance. 4.7 yards a, a carry. Uh, two touchdowns or three total touchdowns. He had one receiving too. So, you know, yeah, yeah, sure. He's had some big rushing numbers in the past against Maryland and and Purdue and and Duke. But to me, this was against, you know, a high level rush defense. I think a a defense that he only had like 40 or 50 yards against last year. And uh, we'll see where he goes from there. Um, And then, you know, with other performances on offense outside of uh, Lego, it's good to see Camion Patrick getting involved. And he's, yep. you know, showing glimpses of the player that – I know, TJ, we were we were all worried that he wouldn't get to play and people would call us liars about his talent. But um, I, I think people now know what we've seen in, in practice and 
uh, on his Instagram in, in terms of video is that, you know, once this guy gets back to, to being 100% physically and mentally, uh, he's he's going to be a, a monster. Yeah, definitely. I, however they end up choosing to use him, whether that is running back, running back, wide receiver hybrid, just I think – I think once he's healthy and they feel they feel good about and 100% confident and he feels 100% confident in that knee, uh, I think they're going to put him at whatever position they feel like they need or he can have the biggest impact um, next season. So and maybe in the bowl game, uh, if they can get to a bowl game, we might see might see some increased usage there as well. But uh, I think it's obvious every time the ball goes towards him something good tends to be happening right now. So I, I hope yeah, it's either a, a long, see... yeah, it's either a long catch or, or a, a pass interference penalty. Uh, it yeah, seems yeah. right now. So, and, and he's, he's got great hands. That catch yesterday was in traffic. It, it yeah. was a, a, a good throw, you know, decent throw by Xander. I didn't think he'd be able to get it there. Um, but he did. It was a, a good throw, but he made a, a really competitive play uh, to bring that in. Yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe if he was 100% healthy, he shakes that tackle. He almost did, and then brings it in for, for a touchdown. But, man, what what a play that was. And he thought that was the part of the game where he thought, you know, IU went in and, and scored to go up 10, that where, you know, where maybe IU is – you know, is going to shake these early fumbles and um, and really, you know, put put the hammer to to Penn State. Now it didn't happen, but you know, at that point, you saw thought Penn State was kind of dead in the water. Uh, they had thrown a yeah. couple picks, and it just didn't turn out that way. But you know, let, let's talk about special teams uh, for a little bit. You know, I I thought Griffin Oaks got back on track. I don't want to say he's out of his funk yet. This is like a, a hitter who is, you know, one for his last hundred, you know, getting a, you know, a, a, a double and saying he's out of his slump. But, you know, it looked like that 47-yard field goal snapped uh, or is starting to snap Griffin Oaks out of whatever funk he he was in. Uh, he looked a little bit more confident. The kickoffs were a little bit better uh, and he had a little bit more pep in his step. But, as with IU special teams all year, it's always something. Uh, this week it was, you know, the kick return ha- was less than stellar, and then you have the, the critical error on the, in the punt return game. So, TJ, what does this team have to do to, to, fix, um, to fix the issues on special teams? I, I, I don't know. Like you said, it's kind of a whack-a-mole uh, predicament because – if it was just one thing, you could look at it and say, well, you know, if we can get that one thing corrected and then we're all, all good to go, okay, well, they got the, the kicking game portion of it covered. Uh, Mitchell Page was back holding, and that I don't know if that made a difference or if it was just coincidence that Griffin Oaks kicked better or what, but it was good yesterday uh, on Saturday, and and then you have the coverage wasn't great against Penn State. Um, you had uh, – a lack of return all around pretty much, no explosive returns or even anything good close to it. Uh, and then, yeah, the, the must punt with Isaac James there. So it's if it's not one thing, it's something else. So I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what the answer is, but it's 
it's something that I don't think you can say it cost IU the game, but it played a large part in it, and that is uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Devontae Williams should be a good kick returner. I mean, he should be based on his speed. It looks like he has good vision. Uh, he's uh, He should be good at it, and it's just it's not clicking there. I don't know. I'm not sure what the answer is, but uh, hopefully they can get that figured out and turn back into a, a strong special teams unit because uh, really there are enough talented pieces in place that it should be, at the very least, an average overall unit, and it's below average. I think they were in heading into yesterday, I think they were like 91st or something in special teams, S&P Plus, and that's, that's unacceptable. Yeah, and it's something that, you know, you look at why they don't win these games. It's always, you know, there's always a special teams critical error uh, in there usually. So, you know, maybe it's the lack of having a a solely special teams coach. Uh, Maybe the coaching staff spread a little bit too thin in terms of responsibilities. Um, And maybe it's, you know, personnel. Maybe there are guys who – don't really want to play on special teams who are not giving a hundred percent effort. And in that case, maybe the way to, to motivate them uh, is do what Ohio state does is say, if you're going to start, you're going to play on some special teams units and you're going to have to play well. Um, so maybe that's one way to fix it, but it's an issue that yeah. you know might not get fixed this year, um, but definitely will yeah. have to get fixed uh, down in the future. Again, another reason why those 15 bowl practices would be huge uh, is just sure. more time to, to work on, on those things. But overall, it it, it was a uh, disappointing loss, but bowl, bowl eligibility is still, um, still right there. Everything that IU wants to play for uh, is still – and still in play. Uh, you're playing to, to play 13. Uh, this this program is not going to sniff the, the college football playoff uh, here for a while. And, uh, you know, it, it's time to go out and, you know, clean up uh, clean up what you have to in practice and uh, and, and, go, uh, and go to work and, and try and uh, spring off a, a historic upset against Michigan and, and hold serve uh, at home against uh, Purdue. So, uh, any final thoughts, TJ? Well, I, you know, I, I, at some point I wanted to point out uh, a player that popped on defense uh, and somebody that I think is making a big difference for the defensive line rotation. That's Robert McCray. I thought he had another very nice game and that's another good spot, good sign for the future. So I didn't want to forget that. I had it written down in my notes and uh, I thought he deserved uh, a special mention for having another very nice outing and, uh, the coaches have talked about him having the talent, just needing to kind of improve that consistency, and I think we're starting to see it. So that's that's a good sign. And I I I guess my final thought would be, I understand the frustration from the fan base with uh, just not being able to seemingly break through where everything clicks and you win a huge game. I understand that frustration. You see. A team like Iowa upset Michigan. You see a team like Pittsburgh upset Clemson. I, so I, I get it. And you kind of think, well, why can't that be us? I think it can be. It just hasn't happened yet. 
I think this program is continuing to get better. And as far as I'm concerned, the talent level is at a higher point overall from top to bottom of the roster. The talent level is at a higher point than it has been any time that I can remember being a fan and I can remember back to the mid-90s. So for me, it's higher than it has been. I think it's going to continue to get higher based on the recruiting classes that are coming in. So I, I know it's frustrating. I just hope people stick with it uh, and really give this give this this program a chance to eventually break through. Because if you do, it's going to feel all the better when you do on a Cubs fan. And it felt a lot better being a Cubs fan through a hard and lost season. Like Anthony Rizzo said, you know he was there when they lost 100 games just three short years later when they win a World Series. So I'm not suggesting Indiana's in for that kind of turnaround, but they're also not at the level where they are awful and pathetic and the equivalent of losing 100 games. This is an average team right now. The record says that. They're average. I think the talent level is slightly above average uh, with the potential here hopefully fairly soon to break through to better than that and turn into good. And I, I think they're right there, very, very close. The question is just whether or not they can get there. I'm going to be along for that ride and optimistically hope that they do. And I, and I hope the rest of the IU fan base is there with us. I, I know it's frustrating and it's hard to stomach these continued close losses. But I think eventually there's going to be a season where a lot of these click. I don't know when it's going to be, but when it does happen, it'll feel all the better for sticking through times like this where it's disappointing on Saturdays to to have your day kind of anchored a little bit by a frustrating loss like we had against Penn State or like we had against Nebraska or really like we had against Ohio State. Um, it, it, It can get you down a little bit, but I think if people just hang in there, it'll feel all the better when it finally clicks. Yeah, and and a final point on on the fan base. Uh, you know, the fans that do show up, they're loud, they're yeah, diehards, they're passionate. And I, I had, I, I was talking to one of the producers from Big Ten Network, who's had us on uh, Big Ten Live, uh, and he's a Penn State guy. And we we're talking about starting the the site for football only. And you know, he was like, well, you know, I don't know why there are, there aren't more of you guys because you, you do have a passionate football fan base, and I agree with that. And, and we got into a little bit of a discussion with, with Alex about the game day. You know, regardless of the, yeah. the, the product on the field, the game day situation around the stadium, um, in the stadium, during the game, uh, does the band need to be better? Um, you know, are, are there things that could keep fans a little bit more engaged? And then finally, ultimately – I think it comes down to construction on 37. Um, it's I got stuck in that traffic last night coming home. It was awful. Um, you know, coming down, it only took an hour and ten minutes from the north side of Indy, which it's faster than I've ever gotten down to Bloomington, but I left ridiculously early. So when there's no traffic, it's fast. And then it took me two and a half hours to get home uh, last night. So I, I think the construction on 37 – uh, the lack of getting that finished, just having that thought of sitting in traffic on the way there to watch your team um, 
you know, watch a team who, who's not great, um, is solid but not great, you know, probably yeah. lose uh, to a team like Penn State. But And then to, to sit in the traffic on the way back, it, it's an all-day affair, and, and I think that's scaring some people off as well. And that yeah. needs to be – I don't know what IU could do to fix that but it might be totally out of their control. But that's something that has definitely affected IU this year and last year, and it will continue to, to affect IU, um, maybe all sports attendance, in the next couple of years until they get that thing finished because it is a pain in the rear end to get down to Bloomington right now on game day Saturdays. And I'm sure it will be a pain in the butt uh, to get down there on, on basketball games uh, uh, during the yeah. week when people are coming down after work uh, and, yep. and all of that. So I do want to credit the fans who did make it down uh, and who stuck around until the final, you know, until the final minute because uh, yeah. they are the they diehards and, and, and they were there. Noon games are tough. So, you know, kudos to you. But, you know, we'd like to see more of them. We would like to see a better culture around campus. We'd like to see more students <laughs> at the games. Um, and things like that. And that's where IU is going to have to, you know, maybe spruce up their game day atmosphere, get things going around the stadium a little bit. Um, just, I, I think the, the in-game entertainment outside of the game itself has been, become stale. Uh, and, and that's keeping people at home as well. Um, you know, with all these TV timeouts, it's easier to sit on your couch and change the channel um, and, and try and find another game. Of course, I, you could be that unlucky person like I am and all like seven games are on commercial break at the same time. Uh, but it, it's something that, that needs to be, uh, needs to be looked at, uh, discussed. Uh, I don't know what the athletic department does in terms of, you know, maybe asking students what they want out of football games uh, and things like that. So, uh, you know, we'll see. Going forward, you know, two games left, uh, one one last home game. Uh, you yeah. know, Purdue, again, it shouldn't be a, a big student turnout. I, I hate that they, they play this game on Thanksgiving weekend. I think that kills some of the culture because, uh, you know, the students aren't on campus, and it's tough for students to, to travel home for Thanksgiving, travel back to campus, especially with the construction um uh, on 37 to be back from the game, but that's a game that that's a culture building game uh, against a rival uh, that shows you why college football is so special. But anyway, TJ, uh, thanks for joining, uh, joining me today, dealing with my uh, rant on 37 and we should be back on Wednesday with our Michigan uh, pregame. Absolutely. Yeah. It'll be a kind of interesting week. I know Michigan just lost, but they've, they're still quite a juggernaut, uh, especially at home. So uh, it'll be an interesting week trying to come up with um, – we don't have to come up with a game plan that can beat them, thankfully. That sounds like a awfully difficult task. But uh, we will come up yeah, with score uh, more some points great coverage. Well, you're right. Yeah, you got that one, got that one again. You're, score more we points, don't turn the, big the ball bucks. over, and tackle the ball carrier. Yeah, that's why I do get the big bucks. Yeah, yeah. So we'll – we can at least come up with that much, and we'll come up with some good, uh, good coverage like we always have for, uh, for game week, all the typical stuff on, on each of its assigned days. So stay tuned for that. Then we'll have the Michigan preview pod up as well. And then after that, it's bucket week. So 
Uh, we're here in the stretch run, but we'll we'll keep going strong. Yep, uh, bucket week coming up next. Uh, come back to HoosierHuddle.com. We'll have our photo gallery up uh, here shortly. Numbers that matter from the Penn State game, uh, as well as uh, the the podcast on there. If you want to re-listen to it or download it on iTunes, just a, a quick PSA, TJ, um, for Hoosier fans who shop on Amazon. Uh, yeah, we, we're trying to keep the, the site. Uh, the site free. We're trying to take care of our writers who do such a good job. Uh, we do have a referral bonus from Amazon.com. So if you go onto the, the the website on a computer, it should be on the side right now. The Amazon ad is Tom Brew's um, Todd uh, Judlow book on the rebound. Uh, we might switch that out, but that's what it is right now. If you're looking on your phone. Uh, scroll down to the bottom of the page. It should be there. Click on it. It opens a 24-hour window uh, to Amazon where, you know, we get a referral bonus for your purchase at no extra cost to the purchaser. So, you know, if you're buying Christmas gifts, getting textbooks for spring semester, and want to help out uh, an independent site that – provides you know more coverage than, than uh, football coverage than, than most of the other sites and, and it's free uh, do that help us out we appreciate it and uh, we thank you for for uh, your loyalty and readership uh, that does it for today's show uh, you can follow us on twitter at hoosier underscore huddle look us up on facebook as well and we'll see you on wednesday This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. 
And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard, BMW, the ultimate driving machine. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.